Hey, welcome to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. I'm John Sierra Reineker, and I'm going to be your host on today's episode. Today, we're talking about booking and touring with guitarist, producer, writer, and TuneCore customer, Dana Johnson. Welcome, Dana. Hey, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) It's good to be here. Good. Good to have you. Okay, so let's start here. Sure. How did you get your break in the industry? So... The first thing that um, when, when I came to Atlanta, you know, I always kind of was a hobbyist, you know, uh, on guitar. When I came to Atlanta, uh, a, a good friend of mine uh, was kind of working in the business, um, uh, a guy by the name of Shakir Stewart. Uh, and he was connected in, and I was playing in bands and stuff here, but he was connected in with some guys at a company called Noontime. And he was like, man, I need to get you over here and maybe, just, you know, just do some session work. So, you know, they need guitar. So I did that over there, ended up um, getting a production deal over there, and then uh, started uh, doing a lot of session work over at DARP with Dallas Austin and his his crew. And that was really it. You know, from there, um, started like some independent label-ish type stuff and and did some early work with Indy Irie and and Donnie Johnson and and, and a bunch of others. And um, that was really it. I mean, um, kind of very organic start in the business. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So you've worked with some pretty major heavyweights in the industry, which is amazing. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) I've been been really, really blessed and and I'm thankful. Awesome. Cool. So in the beginning of your career, how did you manage booking gigs? Yeah, so um, I had a band, uh, or I was part of a band called Sirius B when I was in college. And uh, we literally, I think the first gig we did was at this this kind of restaurant bar place called The Trinity. It was in Little Five Points. And... One of our band members, I think James White, somehow knew somebody or did something. We asked if we can come play, and it was like for no money. I think we got the, or I think we got the door or something like that. But after we paid our expenses, and I think we probably between the seven of us probably split up, you know, two hundred and fifty dollars or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> and um, so it really started off by just getting gigs where we could get gigs, you know, in in, in the area that we lived. So what was the best and worst gig you had at the beginning of your career? Um, the best gig that we had, oh man, in general, the festival gigs were great because, you know, you might be on the stage with some bigger acts and they didn't know how big or small you were and they treated you great. So mm-hmm. uh, early on, I, I can't remember specifically which ones, but just like the Atlanta festival, like maybe the Dogwood Festival or something like that, you know, that was really, really cool. And, and it's a it's a big festival here in, in, in Atlanta, Georgia. Another really, really cool gig that we had um, that was just strange, I won't name the place, but it was a place here in Atlanta on the south side, I'll just say that. And there was a guy that heard us somewhere, and he would hire us every Friday night to come play at this sort of club-type underground after-hours place, but kind of early in the evening for basically him and a couple of his buddies while they count money. I don't know where the money <laughs> came from or why they were counting it, but they were counting money and we were just playing. And that was a really cool gig because it was kind of, we didn't understand and we kind of knew not to ask a lot of questions. <laughs> and that was pretty cool. Uh, early on, that was one of the coolest gigs we did. Some of the, some of the, one of the worst ones we did, man, I, I, I can't really remember specifically, but 
those gigs where, you know, we played a few gigs where you finish the gig and, you know, the club owner or whoever comes over and says, yeah, so the turnout wasn't what we thought it was going to be. So I thought I was going to be able to give you this 300, but I'm not going to be able to give you anything, you know. And that that happened a couple of times. And that's always terrible. And I think we almost got into some physical situations, (laughs) you know, with, with a couple of those. I'm trying to think what was... She'll probably kill me if I tell the story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, There was a lady by the name of Anasa Troutman that was kind of managing us at at one point. And I remember we had, I can't remember even where it was, but after one of those gigs, Anasa, who is, if if, if any of you know Anasa Troutman, she's such a sweet, you know, calm happy lady but she got into it with this dude and I man we had to pull her off of that guy man oh she gosh. was going <laughs> she was going to jump on him because he didn't have the money but I, I, I love her for that shit. I was told I was like the most gangster thing I ever seen her do. And I was like, man, I, I love you. Yeah. I mean, you can't mess with people's money, you know? You don't mess with the bag, man. If you you got to see it. But we also learned in that secure the bag, secure the money before you play because it's a really different, it's a really different conversation after the fact. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so you kind of imparted some really great advice for artists um, Mm -hmm. with securing the bag first. Yeah, yeah. So do you believe it is possible for an artist to handle booking all on their own? And what can a booking agent achieve that artists themselves cannot achieve? Yeah, so I think it is possible uh, for for artists to do that to a certain extent. Um, and, And you just have to be the right kind of person to do it. A lot of my artist friends, including myself to some extent, we're creatives, you know. So some of the more black and white details, uh, us creatives aren't always amazing at, you know. So you need to be very detailed. You need to be very clear about what the agreement is before you're performing. You need to be clear about, you, you know, your production needs and all that. And if that's not, if organization is not your key as an artist, Sometimes it's better to just stay out of that. But it can be done. I know several people that do it well. Um, On the flip side, having a booking agent, if you have a good booking agent, they have relationships in advance to kind of get you in some places that you may not have the contacts for. And uh, in some cases, promoters... They can be a, a little bit manipulative. They try to, you know, make you feel like they're, we're friends and, hey, why don't you do this for me? And if you do this for me, then I'll do this. And it never works out. A booking agent can be like, nah, bruh, you know, <laughs> this is what it is. This is what it's going to be. And there's conversations that your booking agent can have with promoters that you probably wouldn't want to have. It allows you to always, for them to be the bad guy, you know, and, and for you to just smile and agree to everything, you know, and, and let them say no. Yeah. So when do you believe is the right time for artists to find their booking agent? Yeah, that that's a really, really good question. And in general, booking agents, managers, you know, uh, additional team members, even band members, I always say, you know, as an entrepreneur in general, you add team members when it starts to cost you not to have them, you know. So if you're missing out on opportunities and or you're not getting some places that you feel you should be able to get, I would start entertaining the concept of having a booking agent. Um, You know, right out, you know, you just started a band and you're trying to get gigs may or may not be the best time, but it really just depends. It really depends on, 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 on you. But in general, 
I think it's always best to kind of start off, you know, doing it yourself. And then, again, having a booking agent doesn't mean you need to go to, you know, William Morris right off the bat. It could be you just have a friend that is really detailed and knows how to handle business, and they may be able to help you out early on. Um, and that's, a, you know, that that. but it's important to just know and have someone that has uh, a very organized and methodical way of, of working and dealing with people. So from a financial perspective, how does booking work? Yeah. Is there a standard like industry rate that is paid to a booking agent? Yeah, yeah. In 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 general, the standard is around ten percent, give or take, you know, a little bit. And generally that's off the whatever the guarantee is, you know, uh, or whatever the, you know, the gross is. That's in general. You know, I've had agents, we had a wasn't necessarily a booking agent, but we had someone that was doing booking for us that charged a little bit more. And they said, well, I, I do promotions and I do some other things as well. And just be very wary of that. You know, um, shouldn't be paying much more than 10% for booking. If anybody's asking for more, they need to really be clear why, you know. And then you have some people that do management and booking together and you know, that gets a little bit hairy, but, you know, maybe that would be a reason that you would pay someone a little bit more if they're if they're handling more. Personally, what do you believe are the key ingredients for an artist to successfully secure great gigs? What do you believe booking agents are looking for when they decide to work with an artist? Yeah. Um, first and foremost, be awesome. Like, be really good at whatever your craft is. You know, be entertaining. Be able to hold the attention of an audience. And maybe even more importantly, it's great if you already have a somewhat of a base, somewhat of a fan base. That that makes it much easier for the agents to do their jobs. I, I think agents generally are looking for that. And they're looking for someone that is not, crazy you know <laughs> again we, we we as artists can be sometimes whimsical and crazy you know and and um in general especially early on nobody wants to deal with somebody that's difficult to work with you know so i think those those are kind of the, the three components you know be awesome be really really good and stand out for what you do it's great if you kind of have a fan base even if it's you know social media fan base you know to, to have that kind of starting to build or built and then lastly you know um be be easy to work with and i always think you know if you hire someone to advise and help you take their advice you know why would you be paying them otherwise so so just be easy to work with and ready to listen to what they have to say how can an artist transition from performing locally to performing internationally hmm. Well, two things, you know, I, I'm kind of sounding redundant, but again, be be very good at what you do and let your your work speak for itself and give, you know, and also make it clear to your agent what you want, you know, um, and having having an agent or, or having the connections overseas to do that is really, really important, you know, and again, that that comes back to comes back to your agent i think and just whatever your whatever your network is, uh, you know your, your network uh can help you do that um i would also say if you're really focused on getting overseas just know that like even if you're established in your market or here in the states sometimes when you go over this overseas 
it doesn't translate, you know, uh, or, or at least on a, on the money side, it doesn't immediately translate, you know, where you might be getting, you know, 10 grand or whatever it is, five grand here, you might be getting half or less, <laughs> you know, than that early on in Europe. And it's not so much because it's Europe, but it's because again, you're, you're, having to establish yourself there. And and there's of course obviously exceptions to that rule. If you if you've done a great job of PR and all that. And I will back up and say uh, social media has helped that quite a bit uh, outside of your regular market. It gives people an idea of who you are and and kind of, you know, what you're worth, you know, for lack of a better term. So, you know, it really just varies, but but the key is is just having that network you know, whether it's through yourself or through the booking agent and just be, be being ready to uh, do what it takes to get over there. It's also expensive, you know, to fly. So it's always good if, if you're going to book some European gigs, try to have five or six of them because, again, they may not pay as well on the front end. Uh, and, you know, if you're moving a whole band, you know, it, it, it's, you know, on the low end, $1,000 per ticket to get over there, you know, so things to consider. Yeah. What do you personally take into consideration when you book a tour or any other performance? Yeah. So first and foremost, is the money right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Is the money right? And, or depending on where you are in your career, what is the value of this gig? So in some instances, you know, if it's a market that you play all the time uh, and, and, you know, you, you might want to even say, even if the money is right, sometimes you might want to say, well, I've played this market X amount of times this year already. Maybe I need to turn that down, you know, or I haven't, I've played here, but I haven't played here. So maybe I need to do that. So it's a, it's a combination of the money. It's a combination of, are you building, you know, can you build a market? Is there a market there for me that I can build? And, and is it, is it in my, my plan of, of building my touring career. Um, and then also, um, well, I guess those are the main things. What I was going to say was maybe a little bit redundant, but just, you know, do your research on, on, on the, on those, on the audiences there or, or, and, or use your socials to see, you know, if you have a fan base there, if there are other people there that you can kind of invite to your show through your social media stuff. So those, those would be, I guess, the main, the main things. Okay. So you kind of tapped on this a little bit earlier in regards to ways to avoid scams and stuff Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. that. What additional advice do you have in that regard? How can artists avoid booking scams or being ripped off? Yeah. um, The main thing, I think, is having very clear written agreements. We had... I don't think he intended to scam us, but we had a business partner early on. And this... Part of it is booking, but, you know, we had a very general agreement of our partnership and he said that we can, I can get you all these gigs and I can do this and I can do this. And it was more than just gigging, but it was a bunch of things. And turns out he didn't deliver. He delivered 20% of the 110% that he said he could do. Um, And so just always be realistic and do your research. You know, like when someone calls us, uh, for a gig and I, and the an- agent handles it now, but the first thing we do is, okay, Google, Google the venue or Google the, the, <clears throat> the, uh, the promoter to see, you know, okay, well, what have they done? And, and if you know somebody make a call, Hey, you know, this guy, you know, what do you know about him? Blah, blah, blah. Is it good? You know, so use your network to, to find out about the person that's booking you. And then lastly, again, I touched on it earlier, but, uh, always get a deposit, 
<laughs> so the way the way we work, we get we generally fifty uh, percent deposit at the time of uh, you know executing the contract and or shortly thereafter or an agree, agreed upon time. Certainly, you know weeks and weeks before the uh, the performance. And then the other thing is get your money before you get on the stage, <laughs> you know, and we do that. There's a couple of exceptions. There's some festival things and some very established venues sometimes that we, that we, you know, make concessions. But even then I make it very clear to them that I'm looking for my bread. And so, you know, as soon as I get there, Hey, do you want to, you want to handle the money now? You want to handle, let's just handle the business now because I know it's going to get crazy later. And, you know, I try not to be a, a jerk about it, but very clear about, hey, we need to handle this business. Let's handle the business and then get everything out of the way. And then we can have a great performance after that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. So now you currently work with and tour with recording artist Avery Sunshine. Mm -hmm. Now, in your dealings with her, do you work with a booking agent? And what has your experience been like in that regard? Yeah. Um, so in addition to playing guitar and in addition to being married to Avery, <laughs> <laughs> um, I kind of operate as the tour manager. And so, yes, I, I, I deal I deal with the agent. Basically, the way our situation works is our manager and our agent work together to kind of meet the criteria of gigs that we accept. Part of it is planned touring. Part of, you know, part of it is one-off gigs where people call us and say, hey, we, we want you to come. But we have a kind of a strategy criteria that we have for gigging. And part of that is, you know, markets we need or want to play in, making sure that we're not in markets too often uh, and such. So they they handle most of that. And it's kind of an autopiloted thing because we have this criteria built. So when they get them, they just, they send them to us. I always say they set them up, we knock them down. But there there are occasions where they say, hey, this one's kind of on the fence. What do you think? You guys want to do this or you don't? You know, and it could be because you know, uh, what was this, you know, it was six shows back to back. We usually don't try to do more than three or four shows without a break, depending. So all that to say, sometimes they reach out to us and ask. Um, and then um, the other piece of it is once it's done, they send uh, what we call full status report. And that shows all the gigs that we have lined up and, you know, the contact information, you know, the the general, um, not the whole contract, but just the, the, the terms and conditions of the contract and, you know, a, a bunch of other, you know, details of the, the name of the venue, the, the production, you know, whether they're supplying travel, you know, or, or we have to supply it and all those. And then from there, we, we book the travel, we... Uh, you know, secure the band and, and, and all that. And then we, like I said, we, we knock them down once they set them up. So now we have already established that artists should definitely secure the bag. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Prior to booking, right? So what other questions or concerns would you advise artists to look into with regard to booking? Yeah, um, know about the venue. Uh, mo more importantly, if you're not traveling with your own backline, you know, your own instruments and drums and guitar amps and all that stuff and uh, know, know what's there and, and or what you need to bring or what the, the buyer needs to have at the venue. Yeah, the, but the more information you have, the better. Um, you said before booking or after? Before, before booking. Oh, before <laughs> booking. Yeah, we touched on some of that. Just just know that it's a reputable, you know, it's a reputable buyer or, or, or promoter um, that we did this 
as an example, we did this show somewhere in Texas. I want to say it was maybe Dallas. And they said that it was a small venue, 200 seats or something like that. So we called them a picture. No, it was like 1,200. It was like a 1,200 seat. And they had sold way more than 200 tickets. So know about the venue. Know. And I guess that kind of happens at the same time. Um, but I guess before booking, just know who you're dealing with. And I guess we, we, we talked about that. You know, know, kind of just do your research to make sure that what you're being told is is real and you don't show up and it's completely different than what you expected. Yeah. So let's get a little bit more technical. Mm -hmm. Can you share what steps you take to properly advance your shows and Mm -hmm. what should the advance typically include? Yeah. So three things uh, or maybe four things. The first thing is uh, our our backline rider. And again, I spoke about that. That's, hey, we need uh, our drummers endorsed by Pearl. So we need a Pearl drum kit of this with this and this and this and all the different things that go along with that. And and for every everything, for the keyboards we need, the guitar rigs, we need the bass rig that we need and any other things. So that's one piece. That's our backline rider. Then we have our stage plot, which is basically a picture of how we need the stage set up. You know, we need a riser for the drums that should be this tall. We need this and the drum the keyboard set up here, the drums are set up here, blah, 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 and here's how they're set up. So they have a general idea of what that looks like. Then there's the input list. The input list is, hey, uh, we need, we got to have seven mics on the drums and we need an outlet for power at the drums. We need the keyboards here and it's a stereo out here. And then the other keyboard player needs, you know, six stereo outs and blah, blah, blah. And so they know exactly, even before we get there, exactly what's going to be required. Um, And then lastly, the hospitality, I guess these these sometimes go together, but they can be separate, but the hospitality and travel rider. Uh, Hospitality is what you need in your dressing room, you know, and ours, you know, uh, you know, bottle of red wine, um, (laughs) you know, uh, some finger food, you know, hummus and chips and mixed nuts. And one of our guys likes a particular Gatorade and, you know, this. <laughs> so all the things you need kind of to be in the right space for your show. You know, most of ours is food. I think we're going to add Hennessy to ours soon. Are because- you serious? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? And it's a complete sidebar. But I found that, and I'm not a big drinker, but I found that just a shot of something right as you walk on stage kind of just loose, <laughs> loose oils things up just a little bit. And, it, it, you know, and so, yeah. yeah okay. it, but no what, judgment. Yeah, no judgment. <laughs> but whatever it is that you need uh, within reason, you don't yeah. want to go bonkers. You don't want to do, all. Oh, I need 1,006 green M&M's. <laughs> <laughs> and I need grapes of this particular circumference. You know, you, you don't want to be a jerk about it. Yeah. However, I had, I won't say the group, but I had a tour manager from a very, very well-known group. And he says he goes out of his way to make sure that they're paying attention to the hospitality rider. <laughs> so I will put things on the hospitality rider that they have to drive somewhere, drive around the city <laughs> to find. And he said it also if if I arrive there and this hospitality rider is part of our agreement, if there's something not in there, it gives us an out to be like, nope, you don't have this. We're out. And it's not something that they can get right then. He says, so it gives it gives you an out. So you never if you can't make something or something happens or you need to get out of there, you're not in breach. So I'm not necessarily recommending that for, you know, uh, 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 <laughs> your, your startup bands, but it was an interesting thought you know and kind of 
legal eagle. Uh, but the last thing is a travel rider. And that's um, the, what, the way we do ours is um, our whole band. We just get important information uh, that we need from them in terms of, you know, emergency. Well, this doesn't go to the booking agent, but what we have is, you know, emergency contacts, you know, their, their legal name, a picture of their passport, um, but I, in terms of what the buyer might be buying, you know, they, they just need their name for flights. We, we need uh, rooming lists for hotels. You know, if, if you know, an idea, if they're picking us up from the hotel, an idea of what we'll be bringing to the venue so they know what size vehicle they need to bring. If it's a, uh, a, a SUV or a 15-passenger van or a bus or whatever it is. Okay, so again, going back to the whole securing the bag, yeah, yeah. right? Could you share some different deals that you've been offered playing different venues? Sure. So we tend to do a lot of, well, uh, there's a couple, a few types of deals that we normally get offered. Um, We do a lot of opening slots. So it's usually a set thing. Hey, here's what it is, you know, $20,000 guarantee or whatever it is. That's not necessarily, you know, but $20,000 guarantee and that that's all in, you know, we, we get those a lot for opening slots, but um, for more tour type stuff and or things where we're headlining, it's a combination of a guarantee like, hey, you know, X amount plus, you know, 80 percent of net receipts after expenses, you know, and then so we get this guarantee plus we get a certain amount after that, you know, depending on how many tickets are sold. We don't generally do door deals anymore. But it's something that we, we've been talking about doing in some markets that we know are going to do well. And what what's another structure that we get? Th- those are the main things. We, we don't really do freebies, a.k.a. Uh, uh, exposure gigs that much <laughs> anymore, unless there's some really, really good reason. You know, television things we, you know, will do and often, you know, that's those are not paid. Um, award shows and things like that in general are not paid or it might be at some union rate or something like that. Um, but those are general, in general, the structure, the, the way deals are structured for us. Got it. Yeah. So let's shift gears a little bit. What has been your most memorable moment on tour? Oh, my God, there's so many. (laughs) But I'll talk about the most recent one was this past week we did uh, an event for the National Museum of African-American Music that's actually being built in Nashville right now. So Avery was singing. they, they They were honoring... Yolanda Adams, Charlie Wilson, Nile Rogers, Keb Moe, and there was someone else, and I can't remember the, the lady's name. She was she worked in the business though, and um, that was really amazing. So Johnny Gill was doing a tribute to Charlie Wilson. Uh, well, first, Stokely came out and sang "Yearning," one of Charlie Wilson's songs, which was amazing. Then Johnny Gill came out and sang Outstanding, one of Charlie Wilson's songs. And Johnny Gillis went crazy. He ran off the <laughs> stage and he's running all through the place. And then he stands up on a chair at the table. So Charlie Wilson's sitting at the same table with us. And he's singing to Charlie Wilson. And then Charlie he throws Charlie Wilson the mic and Charlie Wilson starts singing. He's standing right next to me. And um, while that's happening, somebody put their 
their phone over my shoulder to kind of record. And I turn around and it's Nile Rogers. Oh, wow. And I was just like, well, this is crazy. <laughs> oh my God. That was that was the most recent. I think the most amazing touring experience uh, we had is we toured with B.B. Uh, King in, in England wow. before he died. We ended up doing Royal Albert Hall. When I tell you, so we did the show, we did our thing, which was cool, and we were just amazed to be in this place. I mean, Royal Albert Hall is maybe one of the most prestigious venues in the world. Everybody from Michael Jackson, everybody's played this this hall. But after the show, backstage is this the who's who of anybody you could possibly think of. So I'm standing drinking a beer and talking to Ronnie Wood from the Rolling Stones, just like two regular guys. And, you know, we're talking and I look at him and I was like, dude, you're a Rolling Stone. And he was like, I know that's crazy, right? And I'm like, man, that's that is completely crazy. And and you know, and BB's back there and he's he's he's, you know, just amazing. God God rest his soul. He's just a super nice guy. Then I'm walking to the bathroom, I'm walking out of the bathroom, and in is walking slash from Guns N' Roses. And I'm like, dude, like, whoa. And I was like, can I take a picture? He's like, yeah. And I, in my mind, I expected him to be like the 80s slash, you know, raging drunk, rah, rah, turn the stuff over. But he was like, yeah, man, let's, you know, cool, let's take it. Do you want to take it? It was, it was just mind blowing. Wow. And, and But I, I think one of the coolest things about working in the music business and, and, and also being a music fan is that you get to meet some people that are just like, you know, huge icons that are that are, are, are music idols in some way to you, and you meet them, and they're like regular, they're regular people. Yeah. Um, and and we've been very fortunate to work with a few, and you always have that moment when you're working, you look over and you be like, dude, you, you're jazzy jazz man, like whoa, that's crazy, you know. And and so all that to say that you know, um, there's there's a bunch of experiences, but those are two of the most recent and I guess some of the most memorable. Yeah. yeah. That makes me think of me personally when I met Prince. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And like, I had my whole fan out moment. Yeah, like, yeah. I remember he was walking through the lobby of this hotel going to uh, this award show to see yeah. Janelle Monet honored because right. he was a huge fan of Janelle Monet. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like being so starstruck and I just was like, I prince. Like yeah. I said it real lightly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he turned and he smiled and I'm like, oh my God, it's mm-hmm. Prince. And like seriously, he has an aura oh, around yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like he's floating on air with purple lights around him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. I, unfortunately, I, I, I we never got to meet Prince. However, everybody that I know that's that's dealt with him has some amazing story uh, about him. And uh, a, a good friend of mine, Eric Roberson, was saying that he, he had this ability. Like you could be in a nightclub with boom, boom, and he had he knew frequency so well that he could speak. Uh, like you know, really low, and you'd be like, "Hey, what's up, man?" He'd be like, "Hey, yeah." So, did you enjoy the show? And you, and you could hear him. It's like, how are you? How are you doing that, dude? Right. <laughs> but, Amazing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So you clearly have toured all over the world. You've gone yeah. to some amazing places. How do you identify the markets in which you play? So we try. We try to strategize and uh, build. It depends on what your goals are. Right. Um, But we're trying to build a career that we can do this for a long time. You know, we'd love to play in stadiums and do all that. But even if we don't, we we can do really, really well just playing, 
you know, large clubs and, and those kinds of things. So for us, identifying the markets where the types of venues and the types of audiences that are predisposed to, you know, work with what we do is what we do, you know, and, and, and again, the agent and our managers, a, a, a big part of that. That's the, I think that's, that's the biggest thing. The other thing that, that is uh, really, really helpful is knowing your audience. And, and again, I mentioned social media is a great way to do that. If you're not getting into the analytics of your social media, you're kind of leaving some money on the table because you could see, oh my God, I got this huge audience in Brazil and I didn't even know it, you know? Uh, and that's the beauty of, you know, the way that the internet has kind of made the world flat and really small. You know, anyone can have access to your music. So you need to know that I got like 1,500 people in Brazil that listen to my music in this particular city. I need to go there, you know, or wherever it is, Willacoochee, Georgia, you know, I need I need to be there. And, and so using those analytics are also very helpful. Is there a city that you haven't visited yet that you are interested in touring? There's a few places in Europe that we haven't really been to that, you know, uh, uh, particularly Portugal. We've been to we've played in Japan once or twice, but I'd like to spend some more time playing there. Um, I really would like to we've been, but I really would like to play in South Africa. I really would like to play in Nigeria. Um, and we actually have a huge fan base in Nigeria, but unfortunately the the deals that we've been offered to come there have been a little bit sketchy and it just haven't got the right the right situation to come there but would would love to go to nigeria you said city so like you know lagos or you know um uh would love to play in soweto or or certainly johannesburg um rio and in brazil we have a a pretty pretty good fan base there that we we've never been um but really i I also like to play in places that we wouldn't necessarily normally go. We we did some gigs uh, in places in Italy where they didn't really speak English, <laughs> and but it was really cool because the music still connected, and that's always a cool feeling to see. And it's kind of like it shows like a a a, a common thing that music is like the universal language, you know, particularly soul music. You know, it, it you you see people react. Even when, you know, it's outside of what they normally would listen to or, or expect. So I hope that answers the question. I no, think I absolutely. Went on a it does. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any up and coming markets which artists should keep an eye out on for touring? Yeah, um, it, it again, you know, the world has become really small and really flat with the Internet. So I think it's key that each artist just know their audience and and again take advantage of the analytics that come through uh i think tunecore obviously offers some but you know some of the 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 other uh digital platforms spotify apple music uh even pandora and and all those um offer pretty good analytics and show you where your fans are And, and uh along with social media you know um uh, Instagram, Facebook, all that. They, they really can show you where your fans are. So you just have to pay attention to that. And, you know, um, always go where the love is. You know, your, your audience might not be the audience that you thought it was. You know, uh, they might be younger or older than you thought or, or not as hip and cool or way more hip and cool than you thought. But, you know, go where the love is. Right. Yeah. 
And last question. So again, I said this earlier, you're mm-hmm. currently touring with Avery Sunshine. What are your upcoming tour dates and where yeah. can fans catch you guys next? Sure. Um, the, well, I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, but <laughs> but we're doing quite a bit of U.S. stuff uh, over the summer, uh, particularly, well, both East and West Coast, a little bit of Midwest stuff uh, in the fall, we're headed to Switzerland for a, a few weeks to do about 10 cities there and then heading over to Germany to do some stuff there. Uh, and then at the top of 19, uh, we're jumping on the Capital Jazz Cruise and going all over the Caribbean on a big boat and doing some stuff. So a little bit of everything. The best way to to find us is uh, <laughs> going to AveriSunshine.com and hitting the touring button and all of our tour dates are there. Great. Yeah. All right. And, and or of course social social media uh, at Avery Sunshine or at Big Dane nineteen seventy three on both Facebook and uh, on and Instagram. Cool. Yeah. All right, folks. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. The opinions expressed in this episode are those of the individuals talking and don't necessarily reflect the opinions of TuneCore. Check out TuneCore.com to help you distribute your music, register your original songs worldwide, and more. Connect with us on all social channels at TuneCore. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. 